Well, as housing prices continue to rise here in Toronto, Vancouver, even in the nation's uh, capital, uh, the co-living trend apparently is set to come to this country. What is that exactly? Well, the co-living phenomenon has uh, gained traction in costly residential markets in the U.S., and as I mentioned, Canada may soon follow suit, with two leading brands uh, announcing plans to bring their micro-suite offerings here to the Great White North. New York-based Common, which currently serves more than 800 residents across 27 buildings in the U.S., has announced that they have teamed up with the Canadian real estate firm Dream Unlimited to open a 225-bed co-living property in Ottawa. Is this a solution to uh, rising housing costs? And what do you need to know before you cohabitate with someone? Let's welcome in our personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed Hawk. She joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Rabina, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi there. Okay, this uh, co living phenomenon, this kind of uh, harkens back to college and university for me. Is that uh, essentially what they're talking about here? Is just getting paired up with somebody and splitting a living cost? I think, I mean, it's just an elevated version of a dorm where you're living in a, in a situation where you're sharing amenities like the kitchen, the bathroom, uh, the living room, things that, you know, you may not use all day long. And so this building is basically saying, why not split the cost of that heating it, cooling it, cleaning it? Because from what I understand, the cost that you're going to pay for this building to buy a, a piece of this building, you're also going to get... Uh, free cleaning of the common areas and toilet paper and other things like that. Um, So it's a great solution for students after they leave university, um, maybe in that in-between period where they're still paying off their student debt, um, they're still trying to get a handle on their finances, and they're not ready to get into a, a rental, an expensive rental especially, or even into a big detached home. They can do this for a while because it will cost them less. Yeah, just how big is this uh, this co-living phenomenon? As I mentioned, it uh, has really kind of exploded in the U.S., and it seems now to be uh, coming here to Canada. And this is just not, uh, you know, people deciding uh, themselves uh, to do this, but uh, as you mentioned and we mentioned in the preamble here, these are uh, big real estate companies and developments that are uh, actively uh, promoting this, uh, you know, I guess, lifestyle. I mean, I lived in London uh, back in the early 2000s, and anywhere you went, there was um, like a rooming house type of situation where you shared the kitchen, and it was completely normal. Um, Things were included, like all your furnishings, all your dishes, all that came with the cost of your rental. So I think this is just catching up to the fact that Toronto and Ottawa and other big cities in Canada are now attracting more and more people. They need flexible ways that they can live. Not everyone can afford to spend $2,200 on a one-bedroom condo in Toronto. Um, in Ottawa, also rents are quite high, over $1,000 for one bedroom. That's not feasible for many people leaving university or college. And this provides them with that um, immediate relief where they no longer want to live in maybe a house. You know, the article gave the example where she had a roommate living in her living room. I mean, you, you don't want to live like that anymore after you, you, you graduated from being a student, but you still, uh, your, you know, your pocketbook doesn't allow you to move into something all by yourself. This is good, a good sort of halfway point uh, before you move on, because this is not something that's going to last for a long time, probably, you know, maximum five years, but it gets, helps you get some money in your pocket. 
Okay, it's one thing to, uh, you know, obviously uh, get married and uh, move in uh, together or be in a long-term uh, relationship and decide you're going to take that next step and, and move in. But uh, what would your advice as a personal finance finance expert be for those that are just going to cohabitate, get paired up uh, with somebody? And this is uh, not a romantic uh, relationship. This is just a relationship out of uh, necessity because of housing prices and costs. What should you know before you decide to cohabitate? I mean, in many ways, you treat it like you would treat a romantic relationship, sit down and talk about what your goals are. I mean, now there's a trend of people getting together and buying a home because real estate is so expensive. So why not, you know, get three or four friends together and buy a house? But then those three or four friends need to know, you know, what are your plans going forward? Do you plan on getting married? Do you plan on keeping this place as an investment property? Do you want us to sell it down the road so that you can use the proceeds towards your 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 home? Um, so those things should be clearly laid out. So there are no surprises. And then um, just responsibility. You know, how are we going to collect money for property taxes? How are we going to make sure the utility bills are paid? How are we going to make sure the garbage goes out every week when it's due? Those things are the ones that really start to grind on people and start to affect relationships when you live together and if you're not doing it in a way where you're building a life together like getting married um, you know a lot of those things you can figure out along the way Uh, but when it comes to you know four different people with four different lifestyles you should have those things all down on paper Um, I would say even sign a legal contract speak to a lawyer about contract that you can make between the four of you that binds you so that you don't you know, one person just doesn't decide to make their own decision about something without everyone else's agreement, and that's just going to keep your finances safe. Yeah, you don't want to come home and find out, oh, by the way, I decided to buy us an $1,800 espresso machine, and I need your half. <laughs> exactly. Or I decide to sublet my room to somebody that you have no idea who they are, but they're a good guy. You'll like them. Yeah. That also can really upset people. You know, that that would be my big concern, Rabina, and I was going to ask you about that. Would you put that in as a, a clause that, uh, you know, let, let's say it's a two-bedroom uh, place that uh, I need, first of all, I don't know, 30 or 60 days notice if you want to leave, and if you're going to sublet, it's uh, somebody that uh, we both have to give approval to? Can, can you put that sort of thing into a contract? I think you can. I mean, I think you can create a contract for any kind of situation. I think that it's fair for someone who's living, you know, you're using the bathroom, you're, you know, in your pajamas. It's fair for someone to say to their roommate, um, if someone else moves in, I just want to know ahead of, you know, I don't want to be living with a stranger. I mean, that's a fair request, I believe. Um, you know, you could say to the person, let's get into this relationship together where we sign a lease for one year and we promise that we'll be in the lease for one year. Even if you get a new job, you're still responsible for the rent. I don't want to live with someone else. You, those things need to be discussed beforehand because the last thing you want is you move in with someone and three months later they meet the man of their dreams or the woman of their dreams and they're moving out and they're moving someone else in. This would only be in a rental situation and you don't feel safe with that person or you don't feel comfortable and all of a sudden you've got to break a lease, lose money and move to a new place maybe that you can't afford. Right. Uh, just finally, Rubina, what does this say to you about uh, the, the housing market, particularly in markets like this, Toronto, Vancouver, and we're talking about Ottawa specifically here where this co-living phenomenon is uh, set to launch uh, by this one real estate uh, firm? Uh, what does this tell us? I mean, we've been talking about for some time now about the astronomical and rising costs of a housing in Canada's major cities and things like the foreign buyer's tax, of course, has been implemented to try to I don't know, cool, it's a bit of a cooling effect to cool things off. Uh, What is this telling you that we now have real estate companies coming in and actively pursuing uh, people to co-live? 
mean, it tells us two things. One, that, you know, real estate is like the traditional detached home is just out of reach for many, many uh, Canadians and especially many people living in the city of Toronto and in the city of Ottawa. Um, it also means that people are now no longer interested in buying big homes and taking care of a yard and doing all the rest of the stuff that comes with it. I mean, people have different ambitions now. They're much more transient. They're much more likely to move to a new part of the country, a new part of the world, and they don't want to be tied down by, you know, a big real estate purchase. It also just means that our population continues to rise. I mean, we're a great country to live in. We continue to attract, you know, talented people. And when they come here, they need a place to live. Um, and so you got to get creative because not everyone has the same taste in the type of place that they want to live. So you've got to find, just like I made that reference to London, I mean, there's all different types of places that you can rent, including a, a rooming situation that's a little bit more elevated than just living in a dorm. All right. Personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed Hawk with us this afternoon. Rabina, pleasure as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.